This work in progress is released under a Creative Commons license. The following Still Ripples podcast is dedicated to all those living in confusion, who are in pain, and who are searching. He who has ears, let him hear. Today on Still Ripples, Job lays it all before God. Greetings and welcome to this week's Still Ripples podcast. I'm Greg. And I'm Brian. Um, we're going to get right back into the book of Job, starting in, well, starting, uh, continuing in chapter 31. Um, right now, we've been kind of on a series of uh, Job's, uh, I guess, kind of final lament, really. Uh, we started in chapter 29 last week, uh, or last episode, we uh, were in chapter 30, and now we are into 31. So, Brian, why don't you give us a bit of a insight on this chapter and a bit of a history. Excuse me. So, uh, again, a lot of uh, a lot of the various translations don't give this section a title. Uh, the one more reading out tonight is Holman Christian, and it doesn't give a title. I mean, not to throw any interpretation on it, but it is Job's last speech in context here, and it may have been continued from his last one. <clears throat> uh, the New American Standard Version entitles this, Job Asserts His Integrity. The New Living Translation entitles it Job's Final Protest of Innocence. The English Standard Version calls it Job's Final Appeal. The God, God's Word Translation calls it Job Wonders What Sin He May Have Committed. The Message Bible breaks it up into two parts. Verses 1-23, through 23, What Can I Expect from God? And verses 24-40, through 40, If Only Someone Would Give Me a Hearing. And the Nut Bible breaks it up into three parts. Verses 1 through 34, Job vindicates himself. Verses 35 through 37, Job's appeal. And 38 through 40, Job's final solemn oath. <clears throat> so, as you can gain from all the various uh, entitlements of the translations and stuff, this is Job's final defense. It is his final assertion about his own integrity and what, uh, you know, basically his view of himself and in, in, uh, the situation. <laughs> so with that, let's go ahead and jump on in. Uh, it's a fairly lengthy chapter, but the way that it reads, uh, there's not really much of a way to break this down. Yeah. So, um, Job chapter 31, starting in verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I look at a young woman? For what portion would I have from God above? Or what inheritance from the Almighty on high? Doesn't disaster come to the unjust, and misfortune to evildoers? Does he not see my ways, and number all of my steps? If I have walked in falsehood, or my foot has rushed to deceit, let God weigh me in accurate scales, and he will recognize my integrity. If my step has turned from the way, my heart has followed my eyes, or impurity has stained my hands, Let someone else eat what I have sown, and let my crops be uprooted. If my heart has been seduced by my neighbor's wife, 
or I have lurked at his door, let my own wife eh, grind grain for another man and let other men sleep with her. For that would be a disgrace. It would be a crime deserving punishment. For it is a fire that consumes down to Abaddon. It would destroy my entire harvest. If I have dismissed the cause, the case of my male or female servants when they made a complaint against me, what could I do when God stands up to judge? How should I answer him when he calls me to account? Did not the one who made me in the womb also make them? Did not the same God form us both in the womb? If I have refused the wishes of the poor, or let the widow's eyes go blind, if I have eaten my few crumbs alone without letting the fatherless eat any of it, for from my youth I raised him as his father, and since that day I was born, I guided the widow. If I have seen anyone dying for lack of clothing, or a needy person without a cloak, if he did not bless me, while warming himself with the fleece from my sheep. If I ever cast my vote against a fatherless child, when I saw that I had support in the city gate, then let my shoulder blade fall from my back and my arm be pulled from its socket, for disaster from God terrifies me, and because of his majesty I could not do these things. <clears throat> this first section here... Um, as it was divided um, in the, uh, I forget what translation that was, the, the message, it it really, you know, Job is still building a case. He's pointing out, mm -hmm. you know, if, if I have done any of these things, show me, tell me. If there is any place that I have failed. If there's anything that I, every time I stepped out of line or any time that um, I did something unjust, tell me. Yeah, so what we're seeing here is, <clears throat> you know, Job puts himself under oath before God. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's asking for judgment to fall, you know, if God can essentially prove him wrong. And we're definitely going to see this later on in verses 35 through 37. Mm -hmm. But... There's, there's certain things you can note throughout uh, the passage here in various verses. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when he says, Does he not see my ways and number all my steps? I mean, mm -hmm. if you were doubting God, you wouldn't ask it in that way. You would, you would say, you know, uh, you know, you, you see this. I mean, mm -hmm. or, or you would say, or excuse me, you would say something like, you know, do you not see this or whatever. But, but he's saying, does he not see my ways? He, he knows God sees it. Mm -hmm. He's asking, and I'm not even appropriately posing the question here, but he's asking it in a way that is knowing, knowing of God and, and knowing that God is omniscient. It isn't a question of doubt. It's a question of, you know, you know, God sees all this, you know, uh, I'm, you know, puts himself under oath. He's asking for vindication and everything. Mm -hmm. He's asking, you know, he wouldn't make a covenant unless he knew in his heart that he, that he was right with God. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's been the the really interesting thing about Job is, as we've mentioned in chapters past, he hasn't done anything wrong. From the very beginning of this, um, you know, Satan came to God and said, the only reason that anybody loves you, especially this guy here, 
is because you've blessed him, you've taken care of him. Yeah. And so Job is presenting that case. Um, I mean, and he, he, he brings up a lot of the stuff that he's brought up in chapters past, uh, the widows, the fatherless, um, when he was... Uh, well known within the gates, did did he turn his back on any of the father uh, the fatherless? Uh, did I ever cast a vote against the fatherless child? Uh, was there ever a blind widow that I didn't help? Was there, you know, he's he's posing they're almost like kind of rhetorical questions mm-hmm. in yeah, saying like if, a... if if I've ever done any of these things, tell me, show me, uh, almost uh, again to the point of if I've made a mistake somewhere. If I have done something to deserve this that I don't know about, show me. Yeah, I mean, it's more like a rhetorical question. He would mm-hmm. say, he would say something like, uh, you know, do you see me? Mm-hmm. Do you see me? But he doesn't. He says, does he not see me? He's asking that. He's laying it before God with the knowledge that God is omniscient, and then he's mm-hmm. he wouldn't place all this before it unless God was the only one that could vindicate him, mm-hmm. and he's the only one that sees all this. Yeah. His friends don't see it. They already presuppose that he's done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Job is even searching himself, and he's laying out his life, and he's laying it before God because God is his only hope. Yeah. Because all that, everything has been taken away from him. And, you know, his only hope is that God would hear his cry, and he would vindicate his name. Mm-hmm. That's why he's going to God. He, it isn't, you know, he isn't throwing questions at him and walking away. No, he's going to him as the righteous judge, and he's, and he's saying, after each one of these, if I have walked in falsehood, mm-hmm. if my steps have, you know, turned from the way, mm-hmm. you know, if my heart... It is no longer essentially just a, a just defend, defend, defend. It's mm-hmm. now it's like, you know what? If I have done something, then I lay it before you. Mm-hmm. I lay it before you now, and he's asking God to vindicate him, asking mm-hmm. God to show him the wrong. Yeah, and, you know, not only was his friends in that, but, you know, in the earlier chapters, it was his own wife, too. Job has quite literally been left with nobody but God. Yeah. And you, you, made, you made a very good point that the way that he's, Presenting these questions is a way of saying I want to uh, redeem myself from this wrong. If I've done this, if 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 if. Yeah, but he's also and he's also mentioning the effort as mm-hmm. well because it is his desire to be righteous, is mm-hmm. to be right with God because he says in the very first verse, "I have made a covenant with my eyes. Mm-hmm. How then can I look on a younger woman?" He mentions. His integrity, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we're fallible human beings. We make mistakes, so it's like you know, this is my effort. This is mm-hmm. what I have done. But mm-hmm. if I have walked in falsehood, he lays that before God as well. So I mean, he's honest with himself. Mm-hmm. He is definitely honest with himself in this. Mm-hmm. You know, in sixteen, we see we start to see. You know, he goes, "If I have," we see a series of statements, and I like the one in sixteen. You know, Job reviews his life. And relationships, and ask God to pass judgment. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I mean, how how much of us, how, or I should say, how many of us are willing to allow someone else to pass judgment mm-hmm. over us? You know, uh, and he knows God is righteous, and he's giving it to him, and he's like, you know what, pass judgment. Yeah, and that's you know, and especially not just anyone, but giving God your life and asking Him to pass that judgment. Yeah. Um, that, that's a very bold move because God's not going to withhold anything. His justice is right, and it's he's, he, it's it's a righteousness that goes beyond any measure. Whereas, as a man, you may be judged on uh, things that are physical and things of this world. God sees beyond that. He looks to our hearts. It's not just... 
what man could see. Like Job's friends are always pointing out, well, maybe you've done something. You've had to have done something. You've done something. Referring to here, but Job is laying it out to God saying, anything in my life, past, present, whatever, whatever it is, show me. So we see three specific sins that Job mentions here. In verses 1 through 4, we see lust. Verses uh, 5 through 8, we see deceit. And then verses 9 through 12, we see adultery. He also goes on to break his defense down into various uh, hats, per se, that he has worn himself. Uh, the first one is Job as a man, right? We see that in verses 1 through 12. We also see Job as the employer because he starts mentioning uh, his uh, servants and stuff. Uh, that's in verses, uh, excuse me, 13 through 15. Uh, and then also we see Job as a neighbor because in verses 20, uh, 16 through 23 we start to see this. Like for instance in verse 16, if I have refused the wishes of the poor. And then later on in verse 23, from uh, for disaster for him God terrifies me because of his majesty. I could not do these things. That's, that's the tie-in right there with the rest of these verses. But we see how he's talking about other people. You know, have I denied the needy, uh, or he talks about the needy person without a cloak and various things. So he breaks down his argument in all these uh, ways to describe the various aspects of his life. And he's asking God of these aspects of his life. He's bringing it all to the forefront to him. Mm -hmm. All right, let's continue on. In verse 24. <clears throat> If I have placed my confidence in gold, or called fine gold my trust, if I have rejoiced because my wealth is great, or because my own hand has acquired so much, if I have gazed at the sun when it was shining, or at the moon moving in splendor, so that my heart was secretly enticed, and I threw them a kiss, this would also be a crime deserving punishment. For if I would have denied God above, have I rejoiced over my enemy's distress, or have I become excited when trouble came his way? I have not allowed my mouth to sin by asking for his life with a curse. Haven't the members of my household said, Who is there who has not had enough to eat at Job's table? No stranger had to spend the night on the street, for I opened my door to the traveler. Have I covered my transgressions as others do by hiding my guilt in my heart, because I greatly feared the crowds? and the contempt of the clans terrified me. So I grew silent and would not go outside. If only I had someone to hear my case. Here is my signature. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my opponent compose his indictment. I would surely carry it on my shoulder and wear it like a crown. I, I would give him an account of all my steps. I would approach him like a prince. If my land cries out against me and its furrows join in weeping, if I have consumed its produce without payment or shown contempt for its tenants, then let the thorns grow instead of wheat and the stinkweed instead of barley. The words of Job are concluded. I mean, none of this is mocking mm. at all. And I mean, Job is laying it out all before God here and he's, he's just letting him know, hey, you know, Whatever, whatever I have done, then I accept it. If I have done wrong, I accept your judgment. Mm -hmm. But if I have done right, then please vindicate me. I mean, let me hear you, is what he's asking. And so, 
as in the various ones, we also see another hat that Job has presented here. We see Job is a worshiper in verses 24 through 28, and then Job is a steward, when he, especially when he's talking about his field and all the various things in, uh, excuse me, uh, Job 30, uh, th verse, uh, verses 38 through 40. And the, the really neat thing that is presented here is the way that Job, as Brian said, the different sections of his life that he's bringing up, he's bringing up every aspect of his life that he can that he can muster that he can think of from his his personal life to his business public life everything and he's he's laying it before god and letting god be the ultimate judge the 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 filter as it were he's not saying he's a perfect man he's saying if i have failed anywhere if i have not lived up to the expectations that were set before me then let it be known. Let me see the error of my way, so that I can repent, so that I can, uh, so that I can, well, be vindicated, as you said. Well, often when we sin, our notion is to conceal it. Yeah. But Job is like saying that if there's any sin within any of these parts of my life, I lay it all out before you. Mm -hmm. Show me. Let me know what my sin is, so I can seek forgiveness and everything. But uh, I mean. He's willing to take whatever judgment that God is going to give for whatever sin that he has, or, or any sin that may be that may be searched out here. Yeah, and you, he, go ahead. Well, I was going to say you made a very good point about uh, you know the hiding of sin, uh, even from the original sin back in the book of Genesis, when sin entered the world. You know, Adam and Eve. The first thing they did was hide. Yeah. When they yeah. heard God coming, they hid, and that's that's a very big contrast, as Brian said to to what Job is doing. Job is saying, if it's here, it's out. I yeah. I put it before there's nothing that I want to hide, which is, you know, even in today's life, when, when we sin, a lot of times we tend to draw away from God. We tend to hide. We tend to try to turn that inward and try to deal with it in our own ways when, you know, God calls us to do just what Job is doing and lay it out there. Yeah, the consequences and the things like that will hurt but the fact is god is the one who can sanctify us that can who, that can uh, take away those well, it's sins. almost like we have to take the perspective that david said when when god gave david a choice between his punishments he said better i be in your hands than in the hands of my enemies mm -hmm. i mean from that perspective we should say the same thing of god we should say better that i be in your hands lord mm -hmm. whatever your judgment may be better i be in your hands mm -hmm. i mean that that's the proper perspective to take so we see various uh, uh, judgments that uh, Job is asking for if he has done wrong. I mean, in verse uh, 8, we hear about uh, others will eat his harvest and uproot his crops if he has done wrong. That's what he's asking mm -hmm. for. Um, you know, his wife will become another man's servant and mistress in verse 10. His arm will fall upon his shoulder in verse 22. His harvest will be weeds and thistles in verse 40. You know, he's made it clear that he's willing to face any righteous judgment mm -hmm. of God. And the thing about it is... He, that in in and of itself is an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty because mm -hmm. he's coming to God and he's saying he, he's giving it all into his hands, no one else's hands. Mm -hmm. It's not it, it is not an accusative notion. Mm -hmm. It is a notion of submission to him. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and it's it's the acceptance of the consequences uh, yeah. that are there, and you know, you, you that that's what Job was was putting out there. Very few times does someone say, you know what, I've done this wrong, so I deserve this punishment, 
give me this punishment. You know, there are some who do, but that's in a lot of ways what Job is doing. If I have done this, then this is what I deserve and put it upon me. Whereas when Job's friends were coming at him, they had already basically judged him and said, you're getting what you deserve for whatever the sin is. You know, Job went even deeper to give more specifics based on what uh, kind of the punishment fits the crime type thing. I think one thing that's interesting to note in verse uh, 24, especially under the, uh, I mean, it talks about being a, a steward or whatever. You know, Job is a steward in one of the commentaries that I was reading. But I think it's interesting whenever he talks about if I place my confidence in gold. Mm-hmm. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's interesting that that's one of them that he, he mentions here specifically because, I mean, especially when you go into, you start with gold, and then you move into something, I mean, gold is often worshipped by people, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you start with something like that, and then he moves into something more skyward, like the sun and the moon. So many cultures have worshipped the sun, mm-hmm. so many have worshipped the moon and everything, but he, he lays that out there that if he had placed his confidence in gold, and then he goes on later on talking about uh, if I have gazed at the sun when it was shining and the moon mo- uh, and, and the moon moving in its splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and I threw it a kiss. So he's acknowledging if I have worshipped any of this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. then he, sa- he says he will accept the punishment, whatever it be. Because remember, we have got to keep God in his place, the proper mm-hmm. place, which is first in our lives. Yeah, And that's something that you know, in a lot of cases, uh, and we've mentioned this before in our podcast, that you know, an idol or something that we put before God doesn't necessarily have to be um, a carved statue or something like that. It can be something uh, as simple as television or books or education or any, anything that you put before God becomes an idol in your life. And you know, Job was, uh, as Brian pointed out, he was talking about specific things that tend to get worshipped in that time. Um, you know, the other thing you mentioned that you know, money is the root of all evil. A lot of times when people don't, money. oh yeah, love of money. I, I apologize, but uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. That you know, in a lot of churches, that uh, people complain. Well, they're always asking for money. They're always asking for money. They're always asking for money. When there may be one message on tithing in a year, but that's where their mind is, is what's mine is mine. And, you know, I, I, that's kind of a, a bit of a rabbit trail there, but that's that's something that kind of hit home with me is, you know, I've, I have been in churches where, yes, they talked about finances a lot, but then there are others that it's just, you know, here or there. But anyway, like I said, that was just a rabbit trail. <laughs> What is interesting uh, at the end, I mean, you, you got to imagine that whenever Job is speaking, I know this This is, I mean, some may say this is reading into Scripture, but you have to imagine that whenever a proclamation or, or a, a big question like that, a big uh, monologue like that is stated, there must have been some sort of silence because he's laying it before God, and then he falls silent. you got to imagine that everybody had to have been sitting mm-hmm. there silent along with him because they're probably kind of wondering, okay, he just basically said, hey, God, I'll lay it before you past judgment or whatever and they're probably sitting there waiting for God's judgment mm-hmm. I mean is God going to speak is he is he going to call Job out is is something going to happen I mean obviously they, they have all got to be sitting there kind of wondering about that because Job had you know he had challenged God because 
he was sure God would vindicate him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Job's three friends were probably sure that God was going to condemn him. So yeah. you have everybody waiting there. Is there going to be vindication for Job or is there going to be condemnation? And then, of course, we see in the next uh, chapter, uh, Elihu, I believe, is going to speak next. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be the last one, I believe, to speak. He, I think it's in the next two chapters, he speaks uh, quite a bit. And then, I believe, and I'm going to check for y'all, mm-hmm. that it is in chapter 37. So it's going to be a long model. It's going to be in the next three or four chapters, uh, Elihu's mm-hmm. going to be speaking. And then, later on, we're going to see uh, God speak. Mm-hmm. So, in verse, thir- uh, yeah, chapter 37, yes. So, you know, we're getting towards the end, really the, the ultimate climax to uh, this podcast series of, you know, questions. There's a lot of questions being thrown out there, a lot of, a lot of uh, questions being asked. And again, it's, it's the purpose behind those questions. It's what is, what is your intent? Why are the questions being asked? Which is a question in and of itself. But, um, you know, every, every little part of this has a purpose and has a reason. And at the end, we get to see some of those questions answered with questions. So, just one correction for myself. It's uh, chapter 38. We'll see the Lord speak. So, yeah. so let me get that out there. <laughs> stick around for, for that. We've got uh, six more, sorry, seven more. That's my bad there. Yeah. We have seven more chapters, and then we actually get to see, you know, God come into the picture um, and, well, lay out his side of things. So, if you would, join us in prayer. Our demo's graciously, Father, Lord God, thank you so much for uh, allowing us to gather here again today just to, to dig into your word as we uh, look into Job, Lord God. I pray that we would, we would be willing to lay our lives uh, at your feet as Job did and um, just ask you to filter through it and to show us where we've, we've fallen short, God. And I pray that uh, you would, uh, again, just watch over this ministry and help it to grow in spirit, strength, and numbers, Lord God, as you would see fit. I pray that you would uh, use our words to reach those that uh, may be seeking answers, God, that uh, if there's anybody who's watching this doesn't know you, that this might be what uh, inspires them to seek your everlasting love, God. And I pray that if there's anybody sick in the community, Lord, that you would just lay your healing hand upon them, uh, draw them close to you, and uh, keep them safe, Lord. Put a hedge of protection around uh, all of us and uh, just help, again, lead us the way that you would have us to go, Lord. Thank you so much for your blessings and everything you've given us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. And now for a proverb. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 through 28. A joyful heart is good medicine but a broken spirit dries up the bones. A wicked man secretly takes a bribe to subvert the course of justice. Wisdom is the focus of the perceptive, but a fool's eyes roam to the ends of the earth. A foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to the one who bore him. It is certainly not good to find an innocent person or to beat a noble for his honesty. The intelligent person restrains his words, and one who keeps a cool head is a man of understanding. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent, discerning when he seals his lips. Well, guys, you can uh, find out uh, more about us and the podcast and things like that uh, on our website at www.stillripples.org. 
uh, as well as find many different ways to get in touch with us. Yeah, we have a discussion board as well as a active blog. And uh, definitely uh, like us on the Facebook. Yeah. Um, if you would like, go ahead, leave comment down below. Uh, again, we do ask that uh, keep it clean. Uh, we love discussion, um, but please let's be civilized adults about uh, about this. We understand that sometimes we bring up some controversial things. Um, we're willing to have discussions, uh, even debates, dare I say. But uh, let's keep it nice. So, as always, we love you guys, and God bless.